Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Professor Brian Cox chats to us about the meaning of life and his ongoing world tour. Reggie Yates discusses his brand new TV documentary and Will Poulter talks about the terrifying new film Midsummer. Plus loads more great guests. Enjoy, my friends, enjoy. Whether he's looking billions of light years into the distance in Stargazing Live or doing a guest turn in Postman Pat, our next guest has forgotten more about the universe than you will ever know. Please welcome the sexy sultan of particle physics. It's the luscious Professor Brian Cox. Hello, that's, Brian. That, that's the best introduction ever. <laughs> oh, I just like the sultan of particle physics. I don't know about the sexy bit. <laughs> All right, so you've been on a world tour. Yeah. Okay, so what well, happens in one of your shows and where's it been? Uh, which continents haven't you visited? I think we're about halfway through now. So we've just been 10 weeks, US, Canada, um, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia. And it's a, it started in the UK last February, coming back in September. Right. And it started as a, you know, a cosmology show, really. There's a lot of black holes and cosmology the size of the universe. But over those, that time, you know, I just talk about these things every night. And I've, it's turned into a show, a, sort of a meditation on meaning in the universe as far as i can tell so when when did it begin to evolve because it was to be honest as a, as a mate of yours i think class myself yeah. as a mate who's known you for ages now i could see it always going that way yeah i, I just I, I began you know if you're talking about the fact that we are one planet around one star amongst 200 billion in the milky way so our little island of stars has 200 billion stars and the universe has two trillion galaxies in it, and that's just the piece we can see. And so it, it occurs to you when you're talking about those things every night that what does that mean? What does it matter? We're obviously insignificant in this universe. Or totally significant. Well, exactly. And we talked about this before that, however, we might be astonishingly valuable because there might be so few places where intelligence exists. And then I, I started talking to these audiences, and it's bizarre because there are sort of 10,000 people there, but I start chatting because I can't see them because all the lights are on you. So, and I was talking about, what, what does it mean to be this tiny little finite thing? In a, a, you know, and then you realise that our lives are intensely meaningful. And so I started meditating on the fact that we live these meaningful lives in a universe that's meaningless, right? the, the universe itself. But that, that seems to me to amplify the, the, the precious nature of our life. And, so I've, and it's really bizarre when you're in this arena that's usually got someone like you 2 in it or Coldplay or something. And you know, I'm sat there meditating away with pictures of galaxies and black holes and people seem to be enjoying it. Well, you, you, the, from the, the sparkle in your eye, you're enjoying it more than you ever have done. But yeah, because I think because it forces me to think about those questions. I, I started saying, actually, I think the only interesting question is what it means to live meaningful lives in a meaningless universe. Yeah, and why, do, think of why do we feel compelled or, or lean towards wanting to live a meaningful life when it is, you know, yeah. if, the, if the universe is meaningless? But, but it can't be, can it? Because if it's, it, it's, it's meaningless, I suppose, um, you know, if, if you, all things considered, uh, apart from the fact that it asks us to be meaningful. Yes. So it's there, the, its purpose is to challenge us to decide it's poetry isn't it it's a sort of i mean i think i think we're challenging ourselves i mean i i say we we we're, we're what are we we're collections of atoms um which are essentially immortal right? they've been around for 13 billion years or so but they're atoms that think we're a collection of atoms that contemplates atoms and i think that's a wonderful thing to be it's remarkable and so, you set that against this the size and scale and beauty and challenge and terror of the universe. I mean, Cosmology is terrifying. <laughs> you know, we, we have a black hole in the show that we did with Dineg, who are the big graphics company that did um, Interstellar. 
And they, they coded Einstein's theory into their graphics software because Christopher Nolan said, I want you to do that. You know, and he, when Christopher Nolan says, do it, you do it. Yeah. And um, so we use that. And this black hole is terrifying. We, we found one. We took a picture of one a few months ago. We, that means the astronomers, it's a thing called Event Horizon, which is loads of radio telescopes all over the world. Took a picture of a black hole in a galaxy 55 million light years away that's six billion times more massive than our sun. Six billion times as massive and as And our sun, sun is huge. Our sun is so big it can lose 4,000 tonnes a day or something. Yeah, you can, can fit a million Earths inside it. <gasps> so right. you can fit a million Earths in our sun, and this thing is six billion times more massive than the sun. And it's one of a, a gazillion things Super massive in the universe. Hole. And you go close to it, and time slows down. So, in fact, if you fell in, I talk about this, if you fell into that black hole, you'd be fine. You could fall into it and float around for a few hours, actually, inside it. I, but the people watching you fall in would see time stop. Mm. Such is the distortion of space and time and the fabric of the universe. But science itself, okay, so science itself, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, in the realm of humanity, uh, and, the, you know, since the Big Bang, uh, which science has, has, has looked back on and analysed mm. and shown us could, may or may not have happened, uh, depending on which side of the fence you, yeah. you sit on. Yeah, we don't, there's another don't know question. But science itself, science, science is, the, is the new kid in the class isn't it i mean he's the new kid on the block yeah. uh, so, so how relevant do you think science is i mean obviously now loads because uh, yeah. you do a tour about it and you know we've created all these things and we've just got all these things but could science in itself just be a, a fad a phase no i i argue that and again i do this right at the start of the show when i walk on i say what am i trying to do tonight i'm trying to talk about black holes and galaxies and beautiful things but also i my argument is that science provides a framework which is necessary now it's not sufficient in it's not all you need but it's a framework within which if you want to ask questions like what does it mean to be human then you need to know where we are in the universe and when we are in the universe and how we came to be here and those are scientific questions so the, the question of what's the meaning of it all is not a scientific question but to start at least you need to know some things that we've discovered and I think that's the, the right thing to say about science. It's need, you need to know about it if you want to explore these things for yourself. You can't do it without the science, but the science won't in any way answer those questions about meaning. There's a, there's a great phrase called the age of starlight, which is the time in the universe when the stars shine. And it's finite, right? They won't shine forever. Or there will be no stars at some point, which is a great song, by the way, from Twin Peaks. You look, I love, <laughs> do you know that song? No, but it was probably my favourite We were, we were talking no about stars. David Lynch at the weekend. Yeah, the, in, in the, the Return of Twin Peaks, there's a beautiful song by Rebecca Del Rio, is she called? Don't know, Del Rio. Del Rio, yeah, 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 called uh, No Stars. And actually, I love that song. And I play it in the playlist at the shows, actually. The but show sounds amazing. Time. Who doesn't want to go to this oh, show? It goes, it no one. A, it goes... Incredible. It goes a bit deep now. I mean, but it's fun. You're not kidding. And um, By the way, it started off pretty deep. You may have not noticed that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Professor Brian Cox's tour date, it goes a bit deep. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> For him, for this, him, it goes a bit deep. Can I just say, this is such a great... I love the fact that we can go on your breakfast show. We can we can <laughs> yeah. talk about that. This is why this is the best show. Oh, because we can chat. You yeah. say At that to things. all the boys. No, no, no. <laughs> The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He's a star of film and TV that's about to scare the socks off you in the cold light of day. Set in a remote Swedish village, his new film, Midsommar, has been described as the horror movie to beat in 2019. Please welcome in Jette 
Swavelig Man from in yet the film. It's the wonderful Will Poulter. Morning, Will. Thank you very much. What did you say at the end there? Uh, a very nice man from a very scary film. So, Will, tell us about Midsummer. I've seen the trail. The trail uh, scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and you've seen the film, and you were in, obviously, you're in the film, mm. uh, which you were fine with, but then you saw the film, you couldn't sleep. Yeah, I, I gotta say, it's, it's rare that you kind of see something that, that you're in, which, and to be honest, anytime I watch myself on screen, it's horrifying for different reasons, but um, to watch something and be genuinely so affected by it, when presumably you can kind of see the seams, you can see the sort of the working out, as it were, but this one terrified me to my core, despite the fact that I, I knew it was a film. I very much that knew you were it was in. a film because I was in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Must be very good. It's got a five-star review in The Guardian. Uh, five-star reviews elsewhere, but in The Guardian particularly, and very high bar there. So congratulations. So Midsummer is, a, is an annual festival in Scandinavia, Sweden specifically. Mm. Tell us about the festival first of all. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the film uh, basically centres around a group of uh, American students who go out to Sweden to kind of um, study uh, the midsummer festivities and a community that are celebrating it as part of their kind of anthropological studies uh, my character is kind of along for the ride um, and I actually went to a midsummer celebration a few months before we started shooting the film we shot the film in Hungary but I went out to Sweden a couple of months before with the director and kind of partook in some of the sort of um, midsummer traditions which um are, are really interesting um, and uh, yeah it's one of the things about the film I mean it kind of looks beautiful on the surface but there's a sort of sinister underbelly to all of the midsummer festivities now that's not true in Sweden per se is no it? but no. it was specifically for this isn't it, it a strange thing for a writer to pick on right well definitely and, and as far as I can tell everyone in Sweden is lovely it's so beautiful <laughs> so this 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 film is not an accurate depiction it's of what midsummer is disclaimer. like in Sweden yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so, so, so you, you went and you experienced it you were there for the full 24 hours uh, didn't go didn't go dark at all did it go a bit dark it or? went a little bit dark I was there for a sort of 72 and it was kind of dark for what felt like only two of those uh, right. 72 hours but um, so it's pretty full on it's amazing I mean it was it was a little bit dark than that but yeah I, I don't know at that time of year it's sort of like I don't want to get this horribly wrong but it's it's extended periods of, of sunlight right so and the, the, one senses that the Scandinavians have something else going on that is a good thing mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they sort of tap into a, a sort of uh, uber intelligence mm. uh, you know as well as a daily sort of human intelligence and you get that vibe when you go there and so so what is the point of the midsummer festival from a swedish say family's point of view or a singleton's point of view or a teenager's point of view or you know what what do they get from it as a nation wow i'm so underqualified to answer this question i've got to say uh, i i i don't know um but uh but everybody does it uh, yeah yeah it's 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 an annual thing right. um and you know as far as i can tell it's kind of just um a, a very much a, a, a happy kind of unifying sort of celebration of community a grateful kind of the gratitude like thank god we're all here and yes yeah you know, thank you world mother nature for everything i think so there's an emphasis on, on on food and drink and being married well, handbrake drink tell us about that yeah well there's 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 aquavit which is a sort of swedish liqueur i, th- I hope i'm saying that correctly did you, how, much, how much aquavit did you have um i had enough aquavit uh <laughs> for for a while uh after that trip yeah yeah. Okay. But it's very nice. It's very so nice. you were more than prepared for the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From exactly. a, uh, an experiential and, and acuvit point of view. You've got to do you the research. You acquitted yourself with your acuvit. <laughs> You've got to commit. Now, your trailer looks it looks beautiful. Um, you know, for the first 45 seconds to a minute, you can watch the trailer for Midsummer. by the way. It's online now. It's right It's right up there with uh, lots of trailers for movies that are out at the moment. So the first half of your trailer looked like the first half of the Toy Story trailer. 
Um, oh, I haven't seen that. And yet. It, it, but that, it's there that the Twains depart, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, slightly. Yeah. Because nobody gets disemboweled in Toy Story Four. I can <laughs> tell you that, and that's not a spoiler. 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 Uh, but that begins to happen in your trail. Mm. What can you tell us? Because it's po- we were going to have you on before nine o'clock, but then we saw the show. We said it's, we can't have it on when the ki- we can't have Will talking about this when the kids are on. But you can talk <laughs> a bit about it now. How much do you want to say about what happens in the film? Yeah, without without sort of delving too far into spoiler territory. Um, and actually, there are, there are previews tonight, so you can actually go see the full film tonight before it comes out on right, Friday, the, the fifth. Okay. Um, but um, without delving too far into spoiler territory, uh, the sort of innocent and kind of um, intellectual uh, trip out to this community in sort of rural Sweden um, takes a pretty unexpected and uh, sinister turn. And um, I think to an extent, the American students are kind of trying to assimilate to sort of, you know, the Swedish culture um, and they sort of get sucked in, I think, deeper than they ever expected. Um, and things start to go horribly wrong. But really, I can't say much <laughs> you more can't, than you that. Can't, you can't, um, you but you're, you're, not, you're not wrong with disemboweling, I'll say that. Oh. Well, there are flashes, there are flashes of disemboweling. There might be a little bit of disemboweling. Yeah. <laughs> there might be. Yeah. Uh, you say healthy a little bit, you can't. There may be a unhealthy, <laughs> helpful, from a horror movie point of view, bit of disemboweling. Uh, yes. Will Poulter is in Midsummer. Five stars across the board, literally across the board, from the crustiest, rustiest, <laughs> meanest, leanest film critics in the business. They couldn't resist, they had to in the end. They didn't want to through gritted teeth and clenched pen. They had to give it five stars. And it's out tomorrow, previous tonight. Well done, my friend. Thank you. You're always welcome here. Will Pelter, one of our finest. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Our next guest is certainly a man of extremes. His new documentary, TV's Black Renaissance, Reggie Yates in Hollywood, explores big and positive changes in Tinseltown. Please welcome the roving, the ravishing Reggie Yates. Morning, Reggie. <laughs> roving and ravishing. Yeah, well, I didn't write it. He did. <laughs> wow. Uh, you might want to stay clear. But anyway, the point is... Uh, you're amazing, is the point. Okay, so Reggie, uh, we've got to do your career in a flash here. So, so when did you? Fir- what was your first proper job that people might know you for? Uh, first thing I ever did was Desmond's when I was eight years old in Channel years Four. Old. Okay, so you, yeah. so you acting? That was the first uh, thing I did. Well, yeah, acting-ish. I was just saying lines as a baby. Okay. <laughs> did, did you do that at school? How come you? How come you auditioned for that at the age of eight? Whose idea was that? Uh, I went to a little local. Co- I'm speaking as quickly as you are. Jeez, Chris, what no, have you done well, to me? We've got to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, no, There's right. so much to talk to you about. All right, come on. Tell them your whole life story. Um, I went to a little local community drama group called Annashire Theatre in North London. Loads of amazing North Londoners came from there. People like Kathy Burke in my class, Naomi Harris was in it, uh, Zowie Ashton, loads of great people. What was in the water there, for heaven's sake? Uh, a lot of chlorine. It was London, then North London in the 80s and 90s. So it wasn't the greatest water anyway. Well, um, it did all right, though, with you guys, didn't it? It did great. And um, off the back of that, we all went for auditions as kids and continued to work through our lives. And I'm one of the fortunate few that has managed to have a career. Then you became a presenter. At uh, 11 years old, I became a presenter. Okay, so what did you present first? Uh, the first thing I did was a safety video for London Underground. Right. Well done. <laughs> and then I, thank you on behalf of all Londoners. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I upgraded and uh, started doing the Disney Club. Right. Uh, and then at 14, that's where I met Fern Cotton, and we've been working together ever since. Okay, and so you hosted Top of the Box many times, DJ, Radio yep. 1, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. Uh, okay, and then you started making these extraordinary documentaries. Uh, how long ago was that now? Because time flies. Uh, first documentary I made was about 10 years ago. How, how, how did that come about um uh, an amazing executive at the beeb danny cohen convinced me that i'm the right person to make documentaries about things i don't know about i, I was adamant that i was wrong because i didn't really see anybody like me making documentaries yep. and i'm not an expert in much or if anything and um he was like that's exactly why you should be making films and um i 
jumped straight in and started making really difficult films about difficult subject matter. Were they difficult straight away? First thing I did was in Kenya. I lived in a slum called Kibera in Kenya, which I'm sure you've heard of, right. uh, for a week and uh, made a documentary there for Comic Relief. And um, off the back of that, just went into making films on my own. And, okay, tell um, us about the Russians. Uh, I had a very scary experience uh, in Russia. It was actually repeated the other day. At the moment, they're repeating a lot of my old films uh, on the BBC in the lead up for the new film that's coming out on the 13th. Um, and uh, the Russian film, well, it was a series of three called Extreme Russia that went out on BBC Three about five or six years ago. And um, I still get stopped on the street about it today because there are some really tough sequences where I'm spending time uh, with people from the far right, guys who like to carry big scary knives and yeah. don't like people with my complexion. Right. Uh, so it was really difficult being there and also interviewing um, immigrants who have moved there and been attacked. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was a pretty tough time. But that isn't all Russians. A lot of people sort of say to no, me, I'm no, not going to Russia fine, because fine, of your film. Fine, 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 That's fine, not what I'm fine. saying. I think there's definitely extreme community there. Right, now this is different, this one, isn't it? This film is different. Yes. Because it's it's funny, because you, 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 you go and re-inhabit a world you do know. Yeah. You know really, really well. Yeah. And you, you are going, you're going back to this place as far as, as far as, um, the, the subject matter is concerned, but the geography is different for the first time for you. Mm. And, um, it's interesting because the world has changed. Your industry, our industry is changing. Um, but you now, uh, in this documentary, you're not observing it. You're in the middle of it because you're now part of the story yourself, right? That's a bit I'm, weird. I'm going to leave it there. And you, you talk for, we got a good four minutes for this. Oh, Just great. talk about your new film, which you ha everybody has to watch. They should show this film in schools. Oh, I no, but I, no, but I really think so. There, there's some telly around at the moment, which can do in an hour uh, what school teachers, bless them, would struggle to do in a term. And by the way, school teachers, hats off, full stop. Yeah, yeah A, B, C, D, and E, they're amazing. But they should show this film in schools, right? I've already taken up a minute of blimp before. <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up, you talk. But yeah, this film is um, what I'm really excited about because you could sort of argue that in an era of Trump, um, America... It's arguably at, most of, at its most divided since uh, civil rights movement. And weirdly, at the same time, you've got some of the loudest creative voices coming from African-American people, people like Donald Glover. You know, in a year we had uh, Black Panther and we had um, Insecure. We had um, uh, Atlanta and loads of TV shows and films that have really sort of changed the landscape. So we're asking the question, is this a moment or a movement? And through that, I'm sitting and talking to people like Mahershala Ali and I'm talking to people like Lena Waithe and... You know, it's a fascinating film big and a fascinating voices, subject matter. Big, strong mm. voices, yes. big, strong characters, big influences. Well, Lena Waithe makes an incredible point. She says, we have, we've had uh, an African-American president, but we've never had an African-American president of a film studio. And that sort of puts everything into perspective. As an industry, it's a, a very strange time in America. But it's not a moaning film. It's not a whinging film, Absolutely is it? Not. This is the thing. It's, it's, a, it's a film that explains how things were, yeah. how things began to change, how then that change was, in fact, a victim of its own change. Yeah. and began to be wrong. Mate, we, we didn't have enough time to fit in all of the things we wanted to fit in. I sat down with um, Damon Waynes and, um, and just talking to him and talking to the Waynes family and hearing what they went through was incredible. And they ended up on the cutting room floor. Mm. Uh, I spoke to Caleb, who's the young black guy in Stranger Things, and hearing that next generation of yeah. creators come through saying, you know, I've got my own production company now. Uh, my big brother is Michael B. Jordan. I want to employ... This kid's 16. You interview so many really, really brilliant artists. You could have given you could have been overindulgent you know you could have given 10 minutes 15 minutes you know as I say this could be three one hours and it's not it's all in and out but then again it's not over
overcut either. It's yeah. just bang on the money. There's an incredible awkward sequence, and you guys know this. I used to act, and I definitely don't act anymore. But uh, in my acting days, I went for a million and one auditions and didn't get them. Oh yeah. And I meet a casting director that didn't cast me, and I actually challenge her on that. Did you? Yeah. yeah. What did she say? She was lovely about it. She was really sweet. She, she melted actually. <laughs> yeah. You had her really the, bad. You had her in the palm of your hand. She didn't like the audition, mate. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she, she's behind the wire. Was she behind the wire? She cast all, all the British actors. I recognise her. She's like the, one of the most okay. famous, powerful, brilliant women in Hollywood. Yeah, you guys, you just have to watch the film. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Jody Richardson tells us about working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and guerrilla filming in London. Ashley Jensen chats about the upcoming release of Sky's Agatha Raisin's second season. Nikki Chapman discusses the health benefits of gardening and her own incredible personal battles. And Dr. Michael Mosley and his wife, Dr. Claire Bailey, share how to survive on only 800 calories a day. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? When she's not finding your perfect home, she's making things to put in it. Pitting crafty celebrities <laughs> against each other in creative challenges for her new Channel 4 show, Kirsty's Celebrity Craftmasters, please welcome the queen of making, mending and upcycling. It's Kirsty Olson. Good morning, Kirsty. Morning, Chris. How are you doing? Morning, everybody. Morning. You're right. Hi. Kirsty. Morning. You're our third Kirsty of the day. I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, it is, a, it is, a, there is someone, I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they said there are quite a lot of Kirsties. So, really? Now there yeah. are quite a lot of Kylies. We thought Noah was original. Noah's now the second most popular boy's name uh, for, for babies in the UK. Uh, Noah's t- 10 years on. Um, how come Kirsty back in the day, who was, who was, yeah. who was the famous <laughs> Kirsties? Well, I don't, know. I don't know, but it's a very specific name. It is the Kylie of its time. <laughs> um, it absolutely You're is. right, because yeah. Kirsty McCabe yeah. is of an age. Yeah, we are all you're of, of an age. age and yeah. Kirsty Gallagher. You're roughly the same you're age. Four, you're, you're, you know, it yeah. starts with a four and it doesn't start, yet start with a five. And so it must Am have I been... It doesn't yet start with a five. No, you're right. Sorry, I'm being a bit defensive. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're very it defensive. It's yeah. not like you that at all. <laughs> That's not, not like me at all. all like you. Sake, what Chris, do you mean it's not like me? There is, there are, <laughs> yeah, because, because, but there's... Who so was there's, the Kirsty? Who were you, who you named I don't after? know, I know. I don't know where it popped up from. It's, I'm, well, it's a Scottish name. Yes, but... So, it, for me, it's, my my mother was Scottish, so she wanted to call yes. me a Scottish name. And, but it, in, in Scotland, I mean, the production company that I work with, that I own, is a Scottish production company, and everyone there is called Kirsty. Yeah, I mean, it's just totally And standard. there was a model, well, Kirsty Hume. Do you remember when yes. she was like a supermodel? Yes, Kirstie And she's Hume. she is our age as Don't well. Yeah, that. and then the obviously beautiful girl. Kirsty Young. Yeah but, yeah, but it would be somebody Kirstie before Wall. you, wouldn't it? It'd be like a generation before you. No, I know, but it is funny how they we are, there is a plethora of Kirsties of an age. I, I, there's, no, there there's, a, there's not a dearthy of Kirsties. <laughs> was there a Kirsty who was kidnapped in the late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, but, I, but that I've wouldn't inspire you to call that. your child after that person, would well, it? Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Do, I remember being at school. My sister was at school with the Demelza, and that was from the first lot of Poldark. Yeah. And then all the Laras are from Dr. Mm. Zhivago. So there's always something. Yes, a yeah. trend. There's lots uh, of Jensen's. Really? Yeah, loads of Jensen's. You go to a car event, there's loads of little kids called Jensen. Oh, car loads, events, yeah. loads and loads oh, really? of loads. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Who yeah, else do you think I'm I, I don't know. I, I, no, I, I... Jensen Button, da, 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 da. <laughs> Jensen Button, da, oh, da, da. Is Jensen just a made-up name? Was Jensen the first Jensen? No, because I think Jensen's dad named him after the Jensen Inter- Interceptor, which was his favourite car. Could, oh. be, could be wrong. Right, uh, anyway, let's get back to what you're on for. Uh, <laughs> By the way, by the way, Rachel Horn's husband, right, creator of Taskmaster. How do you think he's going to feel about Craftmaster? 
Oh, oh is that what you've called Ooh. it? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> God, naming a telly show is so difficult. It's all about the names this morning. It's all about the names. Yeah, it's all about the names. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. I mean, Craftmasters, how do you think of that? What inspired you for that, Taskmaster? Do you think I came up with the name of the show, Chris? Well, no, maybe. No Were you at the way. meeting? I, at various, at various WhatsApps was Zooming back and forth. Craftmasters, forward. I yeah. do like it. Craftmasters is great. Of course, there's Boardmasters, which is the big festival, oh, surfing yes. festival. yeah. In yeah. UK, so yeah. you know, if if Alex were to consider suing um, Kirsty, oh, boardmasters yeah. may just go straight in there with litigation I think on your Alex husband. Alex would just rather get involved with craftmasters. With craftmasters, yeah. but then yeah. you'd have to go back to the Renaissance and the Grandmasters as well. Do you remember and the Melly la- Mel and Grandmaster Flash and all that? Yeah, but do you remember last time we were here? I was here. We, there was that whole conversation about how you I've say never the, forgotten one of your the Glasgow, Newcastle, you know, that whole yeah. thing that was going on. And now I've got it with craftmasters. So you, there's no escaping it now. It's the, it's in the zeitgeist. I love it though. A conversation about how you pronounce things. So who who have you got on, and what do they do? Who's any good? Who surprised well, you? Susan Cowman <laughs> and Mark Dolan were hysterical, right? And not all the comedy came from the extreme height difference, right? Um, <laughs> and we got all sorts of combinations of people. And are the challenges? Do we, do we find are there t- takeaways from from what they yes. create? Okay, yeah. so yeah. and are they helped with this? They must they be helped are. a so bit. So they each have a crafting expert. Oh, there you go. That's... Who comes to their house and helps them? That's what we want. So they learn. They properly learn because my thing is I want more people to craft. I know. And so I thought if I brought celebrities into it the person who only watched Made in Chelsea will follow Sam Thompson over to the craft yes. and they'll see the craft and they'll think actually that's fun that's very clever and kind of mindful and nice that's very nice. strategic booking of guests isn't mm. it they'll bring their social media with them as well watch, watch me on this tonight yeah. and then all I want is for more people to, to craft and, and feel that they're in control of something and they're enjoying something that they're doing with their hands so what challenges give us a, give us a taste of the challenge a menu an aperitif whet our appetite with some so kind Every sort, I mean, every sort of craft you can possibly imagine. So woodworking, metalworking, calligraphy, paper craft, sewing. Um, and, to, and to what ends in their homes? Oh, so how, how it happens is there's four competitions. Yeah. There's the upcycling competition. Yes. Then they have to make the same thing in different mediums. Right. Um, and then at the, at the end of the four, there's the timed challenge. And that takes place in the craft HQ. And they haven't got their helper with them. Got a craft HQ. Yeah, Where's that? Craft. Secret location? It's secret location. Yes, I love secret location. It's a secret location. It's like the Taskmaster house. It, yeah, might, secret location. Which people might, try and find it, don't they? The craft HQ might be in the same location as the Christmas HQ. Right. And that's all I'm saying. Might, might. or might not be. Yes, might. <laughs> only Santa um, knows. Only Santa knows, yes. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you see our guest on a screen, there is no doubt a laugh is just around the corner. From the brilliance of extras with Ricky Gervais to the global smash hit Ugly Betty, with the second series of Sky One's Agatha Raisin returning next Friday, please welcome the Emmy-nominated awesomeness of Ashley Jensen. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. Let's talk about you and what you're up to. Agatha Raisin, uh, season two. Which is all, that's a lovely phrase for an actor it and actress. Is. Isn't it? Season two, yes, which yes. meant that season one went well enough to to get a, a, another series exactly, away. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so who is she? What does she do? Very funny. It must be fun to work on. It's an absolute joy to work on. Uh, it's uh, we did a pilot a few years ago, Agatha Raisin and the Quiche of Death. Yes. Which is based on a series <laughs> of <laughs> it's based on a series of books by the wonderful M. C. Beaton. Right. And these have been adapted for television. Right. It's basically a, a PR guru who throws in her PR. Line moves to the countryside, inadvertently gets accused of murder, right. has to prove her own is innocence and discovers she's actually rather good at it, and then 
I suppose in a kind of midsummer murders way. It is, isn't it? Solves murders because there's a lot of murders in the village of Carsley yes. and the surrounding areas. It's midsummer murders with a bunting twist because people have a right laugh along the way, don't they? It's a sort of camp midsummer murders. Oh, well, you, good. I yeah, like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. So where do, where, where is your your midsummer? Because because midsummer really is just off the M40, isn't it? I don't know. It's actually. where Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was made. Oh yes, I think I yeah it's, yeah. Um, it's uh, not Thursley, Kersley, Worsley. Um, Tur- Turvey, it's Turvey. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, so we, we're, we're kind of around uh, little villages like uh, uh, Biddeston, which is our our hero village, if right. you like. Where's that? Where's that? Which is in uh, not far from Bath, right. in in oh, the sort of Cotswolds, Wiltshire. What a great job! Oh, it's wonderful because I live in that area, so ah. I even get to go home at night. So, so was that happenstance? It was. It was absolute. Just yeah, absolutely. Because Dawn French's sky comedy, <clears> the one about the <throat> chef, uh, the restaurateur, uh, that's in Cornwall. That, but that's because she said, look, I'll do it if you do it in Cornwall because no, that's where I live. this was complete coincidence that I happened to be living there and it happened to be How far are you away from the, from the set, from the main... It's probably about 45 minutes because we, we travel around a lot to all these beautiful villages. Do you get villages. to go home at night? Yeah, I do. That's I know. nice, isn't it's it? Great, yeah. do, you, do, you get, do you let other actors uh, stay with you? Do you? Oh, no. Do you offer digs? There's a whole kind of uh, subterranean <laughs> Oh, no. Par- <laughs> There's a whole party. You wouldn't vibe. be wanting that type with you under oh, your no. own roof. No. no, they all have a, a kind of rather active social life, I believe, uh, right. In, in those bath. were the days, weren't they? Pardon? Those were the oh, days. Oh, those were the days, those I know, when you're days. away from home having parties. A, a right laugh. Having a right laugh, And, yeah, uh, yeah. and remembering to do some work in between. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, so, so uh, you have a lot of fun with this. Uh, what have you had to do? What have you had to learn to do? Because you fight it. I've seen you do some Hong Kong fooey in this. And, and yeah, well, it's, the, the series has sort of evolved and the second series is... There's a, a wee bit more kind of physical comedy and things in yeah, it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of slightly obsessed with Frank Spencer. <laughs> because it was very clever I thought he was brilliant yeah, I yeah. mean I thought he, he was what I grew up on and he was one of the reasons that I wanted to become an actor right um, I thought it was that massive he, that show oh it was it? it was wonderful Michael was, Crawford oh he was he was just great and I think that incorporating physical comedy as well as a clever script yeah, yeah. isn't seen too much these days yeah. and um, so we've you know I've, I've had, I, I can walk in any terrain in stilettos basically <laughs> cobbles grass climb walls but th- some of the roles you're most famous for uh, you know extras etc Mm-hmm. And and by the way, afterlife, bravo, yeah, bravo, it's, it's and so they're it? very gentle. And yes. she, this is the opposite. Oh, it's a, it's a very different kind of comedy. <laughs> I mean, it's like some steam. at one point last year, I was doing afterlife catastrophe and Agatha Raisin. Interesting. Yeah, and it was and it was all very different sort of tones of comedy, different worlds. Or, or exactly. I mean, it's like when I did Ugly Betty, one of the main things that I kind of realised. I suddenly had to become an aficionado on comedy, despite having done mostly theatre all my life, and then suddenly got wheeked into... Wheeked, you'll get that word, won't you? Wheeked. Fellow Scottish Never people. heard wheeked. 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 Thrown into... Like it. Can we, have yep. that? Can we borrow that? Again? You can take it, How do you spell it? Does it matter? Doesn't matter. All right, Just how you say it. Wheeked okay. into the world of comedy. Love it. Love it. And people would say, what's the difference between comedy in England mm. and Britain and comedy in America? And I thought the the re- the thing that I thought was that a lot of the comedy in America was on the line mm-hmm. and a lot of comedy in Britain was the air between the lines and like particularly yeah, with between the Ricky's the work. good isn't she yeah. too good for this <laughs> yeah. show I thought long and hard too about good. water boys as oh, well yes. both too good for this show to be honest frankly <laughs> we're not everybody who meets Ashley this morning keeps saying to her love everything you've ever done love all your work mm. you've just said that haven't you Rachel absolutely Mira said that Huge before fan. okay do you love all your work Ashley 
Uh, but it, you know, it's funny because people come up to me and say, oh, do you remember that scene in Extras when you did the... <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't remember it because I don't know, you don't watch your own stuff. Yeah. But I think if I wasn't in Extras, I would probably watch it. <laughs> I watched The Office. <laughs> this is funny. My son uh, couldn't sleep one night, came downstairs and I had The Office on. Right. And um, I said, oh, you might you might like this because you've met Ricky. This is The Office. This is, you know, talking about seminal comedy and I went you might like to watch the one that mum did with Ricky and he went yeah okay then and he, we put it on and he sat there yeah. watching the scene which is a pretty good scene with Samuel L. Jackson yep. and, uh, and uh, Ricky and myself and he sat there looking at it and he went silence pause yeah, yeah. can we put the office back on oh, please mum you don't want to hear that do you it's not fair though is it it's never going to work. It's like teaching your kids to drive. It's not a good idea. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Dabba Dave, who are we talking to now? Pray tell. She's a mainstay of the Chelsea Flower Show, so certainly knows her way around a garden. Fresh from the sunshine of her first ever Glastonbury Festival, it's the green-fingered goddess, Nikki Chapman. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning. What Welcome an introduction. Back. I want to back. wake up to that every single yeah, morning. Well, you can. Just tune into Virgin Radio. She's yes. Debbie through till 10 with nice. Sky. I like what you did there uh, channel five all right so you and gardening so so gardening baking was the new gardening now gardening's taken over from baking again they're doing the sort of um uh, factual entertainment hokey cokey aren't they? they they are they are we all know now how good it is for us that wellness isn't it being out in the outside open spaces and gardens are so important if we're lucky enough to have one house yeah. plants you know changing our lives we've been told about it for years we now realize it's true Tending, okay, tending TLC, tender mm. love and care with attention and presence. Now, if you go to the island of Okinawa in Japan, it's got the highest number of super centenarians in the world. That's people over 110 years of age. They, the one thing they all have in common, they have many things in common, but the one thing they all have in common is they all garden every single day. Oh. It, it makes you live longer. Well, you go to the Mediterranean and you see all these people out in their garden sitting outside in the sunshine. Okay, they might have better weather than us, but they're active aren't they mm. and that's the thing and I think if you're passionate about gardening you don't need to know everything but it just it brings the soul alive and we know it is really good for you I found it out actually over the last few months but it is so good for you very very therapeutic if you don't have a garden you'll have a park not far from where you yeah. live you know you can sit and enjoy it what happens on your show well we've just been talking about me being at Glastonbury and we walked up <laughs> to the Glastonbury tour and you look out over Somerset and that beautiful countryside all Amazing, but this show is exciting yeah. because we're taking some of the best sort of garden designers in the country, from young to people being much more established, shall we say, and they're taking over these sort of either unloved or unused spaces I love this. This is for lovely. great causes. We give them a limited budget. They've got five thousand pounds, which sounds like a lot of money, but once you start doing your garden, if you buy plants regularly, you know you've got to make it work. Um, but we transform these places for people that are going to look after them. Yeah. So we're leaving a legacy. And that's Wildlife. what's so important. Absolutely. Well, kids, kids loving it, learning things, people getting together, communicating. A great reason for a cup of tea or a pint down the pub afterwards exactly. or beforehand as a pre-planet. What are we going to do with this? Let's go to the pub and have a meeting about yeah. it. Yeah. How many meetings shall we have? As many as it takes <laughs> is what we should do. Have you come across many privet hedges? 
We've had we've had everything. We've been talking about stick insects. Yeah, well, I heard about that earlier on. I mean, we've had absolutely everything, and these designers do transform these spaces, and they're competing. You know, we did it with the RHS, so it's a really high level. There's loads of take home in the competition, but what we are doing is we're leaving sort of these veteran care homes and a lot hospitals. We're leaving them this Amazing. wonderful spaces that they can look after the volunteers, the patients, the staff. There's nothing not to like yeah, about no, this. This is upscaling for gardens, uh, isn't thank it? Thank you. I'm really Upcycling, excited. That's what it is. I'm really excited about it because, as you mentioned, I've you know been with the Chelsea Flash Show for a long, long time, and it's really great to do a show where we can sort of give something back to the community, and that is so important. And if you love your gardening, you can take a bit of take home. By the way, if you don't love your gardening. You actually do love your gardening, you just don't know you love your gardening yeah. yet because nobody doesn't end up loving gardening. How long ago did you discover uh, the biggest challenge of your life um, was going to be part of your life? About nine, ten weeks ago. Is that all it was? Yeah. From now? Yeah. So nine or ten weeks ago, what happened to you? I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. See, I thought it would be nine or ten months ago. No. Nine or ten weeks no, ago. No, it was literally... In April, I think it was, yeah. I've still got a little bit of it left, but the good news is I'm smiling. You look wonderful. Thank you. You really do. Just tell us what, what happened. How did you notice it? Was it headaches? Was there a lump? I, no, that... no headaches. I'd had, I call him Bert. I'd had him for about two or three years and my eyesight started to go and then I couldn't speak one day. I was doing a voiceover, not great, and I couldn't speak properly. And I spoke to my GP and she said, I think you've had a stroke. You better get down to A&E. It was that quick. It literally was like 48 hours. But any exterior signs? Not Nothing. I felt great. You wouldn't have noticed any Scary. difference. And they say they thought it was a stroke. A&E were brilliant, can I just say. Thank you to all the staff there because they saw me so quickly. Where were you? Where? Charing Cross Hospital well in done. London. And, you know, anything to do with strokes, they see you within sort of 5, 10, 15 minutes if they can. And uh, they said to me, actually, you've got a brain tumour and you've oh had it a long gosh. time. <gasps> yeah. So, so what, happens, what happened next? So um, saw my consultant. They put me on medication to see me through. I was still working at the time. Um, and that stopped the eyesight the speech you know problems um it was serious i could have lost some of my eyesight some of my mobility and my speech but i had a fantastic surgeon a great team around me i know i've been fortunate i'm not going to use the word lucky i'm going to say fortunate great care everything went in my way they couldn't take out the whole of the tumor but um i've got a little bit left the nhs are looking after me and i feel fine i'm back at work what a story boom what a story because <laughs> i saw you at chelsea didn't i yeah and i went to give you a cuddle and because uh, we haven't seen each other for ages yeah and you, you have said, oh careful and then my and husband was like Care Chris, said, Chris, careful for a head because he gave me such a bear hug <laughs> as like, he does yeah he does. i know it's gorgeous but i was like mind the head because it was two weeks after i my didn't operation. see i had no idea and yeah. then the whole story came came out Mm. So, you really you, look better than ever. I mean that. When you, you, you walked in, you. I thought it was long further back. So did actually, I. So did I. And you told me the story, but I just didn't. I didn't uh, First of May was the about operation. The yeah. Okay. So so I had been there for longer, but it's just you hadn't noticed it. I hadn't noticed it. So a, a couple of months and a half ago. That's incredible. Mm. Vicky, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, good luck with everything. Thank you very. Everything, and you're always welcome on the oh, show. Oh, it's been so lovely to be and, here. Yeah, really you're lovely awesome. to see you're you. Awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guests are fountains of all fasting knowledge. You've had the science in the fast eight hundred. Now it's time for the recipes. With their copy of the Fast 800 recipe book in hand, please welcome the Jay-Z and Beyonce of weight loss. It's Dr. Michael Mosley and Dr. Claire Bailey. Yeah. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Good morning, Good morning, Claire. Very nice to meet you. And you. Welcome to the show. So first of all, how did you two get together? 
Okay, we got together at uh, medical school many years ago. Um, 39 do, years ago. Oh, we've counted. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. That was a long time ago. Um, mainly, I think, doing medical reviews, kind yeah. of mainly for our own entertainment, I we think. We used to go and rewrite the songs. Um, so it were things like, uh, save all your kidneys for me. Do you remember? Save all your kidneys for me. Save all your kidneys for me. That's very That's good, isn't it? That's I'll be your long-haired <laughs> liver transplant from... No, OK. <laughs> Uh, no, I get what you mean. So, so, and was it a slow burn, or was it love at first? It probably was a review? slow burn, but you know, I always thought he looked interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now you both sort of. You, you have an apprehensive tone about about it now. Do you still think he looks interesting? Oh, absolutely. No, thank you. <laughs> so, Michael, for people who don't know, if they're late to the party, yeah. uh, what is the Fast 800? Um, it's basically uh, bringing together of all the things I've learned over the last seven years or so. And it's about a three-step regime, rapid weight loss, followed by 5-2, followed by what I call the way of life. So it's aimed at people who might just want to lose a lot of weight um, fast or who might want to reverse their diabetes, bring their blood pressure down, or... Uh, sort out their guts to some extent. It's all aimed at all those people. So, th- what are you, but what is the Fast 800? Sure. So, the Fast 800 is 800 calories a day, and the 800 seems to be the magic number. That's the number that um, scientists are focusing on. So, what we suggest is 800 calories a day. For the first two or three weeks, you can expect to lose an average of around one to two kilos a week. That is two to four and a half pounds a week. And you do that, and then you move over to the 5-2 where you're eating 800 calories two days a week, and then you kind of move into a more Mediterranean style of eating. So it's, it's kind of rapid weight loss to kick you off. OK, now, I, of course, I love all this. I like to try and get down to sort of, um, you know, just about 12 stone something uh, just before a big run, a, a marathon. Uh, but, you know, your Fast 800, it, it, it used to make my blood run cold, yet uh, also my forehead uh, drip <laughs> with sweat because I was thinking 800 calories in a day. But then you look at this, Rachel, here. Bacon, oh. broccoli, tomato, mushroom, fried. Now you think, okay, if well, if that's my 800, I'll be happy with it, okay? However, it's only 200. Whoa. So you've got 600 to go! There you go. How, so do you, how do you figure these out? How do you figure all these combinations of calories out? Well, it's partly reducing all the kind of unnecessary sweet and sugary, starchy stuff. Right. Um, and that means once you've done that and you have a really good Mediterranean style diet, people feel satiated. And that's one of the things that seeing patients, they come in and say after a couple of weeks, I can't believe I'm just not feeling hungry all the time. Claire treats a lot of people with this way, whether they are type 2 diabetics or whatever, helps them uh, basically reduce their blood sugars, get back to normal, lose a shed load of weight. So um, she's a kind of practical one. She's a GP. She's on the front line. She's actually doing it. Okay, look at this. Chinese style drumsticks. Who doesn't want these, Rachel, again? Look at this uh, Chinese style drumsticks. You got your pak choy in there. You got everything else going on. Uh, you got your sesame seed. You got your tasty uh, onions, uh, and you got your bits and bobs. What are the little green things there? We're going for what would they be? Uh, spring onions, of course they are. Look at that, three hundred calories. Oh, I'm really hungry. So now. You <laughs> but we've had our break, bacon fry up in the morning, yeah. right? Two hundred calories. Sorted. We've got this for three hundred. Right. We've got three hundred to spare. Why don't we treat to ourselves to uh, some chocolate brownies, Doctor Claire? So I would love you to try if you'd like. To. To some chocolate brownies, mm-hmm. which have a mystery ingredient in it. By the way, the main ingredient. Go on. Don't, so if you can guess. there's no sugar in it. Okay, let's try and guess. Great, shall I have you? Thank you. See if you can guess. There. Oh my god! I don't really care what's in them. They're gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I can taste chocolate. Yeah. yeah. I think I've hit a chocolate nugget. Yeah. So, so lots of fibre in. Is that healthy dark chocolate? It is healthy dark chocolate. Lots of fibre. Oh, Thirty percent no fibre. Beetroot. Yes, got a super taster here. Thanks, guys. (laughs) How did you know that? I guessed it.
honestly. Swear to you. Genius. Thanks. Well I done. mean, there's lots of benefit you get from beetroot. So if you can give it to kids, you can give it to adults. It help bring down the. And what's blood making pressure. it sweet? Is it that? Uh, dates. 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 So okay. that's got fibre in it. And, uh, but beetroot's slightly sweet as well. Yeah, the great thing about beetroot is it brings your blood pressure down. Um, so uh, it's got rich in nitrates, which convert to nitric acid, and those bring your blood pressure down. OK, also really fun to grow and really easy to grow, beetroots. Actually, the other trick is you can buy them ready-cooked in those little sealed packets, and so it just takes... The whole thing takes about five minutes to put together. OK. Super easy. So the whole point of all these recipes is that they're easy to do, and they're very tasty, and they fill you up, and they're absolutely packed with nutrients. Because if you're on 800 calories a day, you want to make sure you're getting lots and lots of nutrients. There's now bits of chocolate brownie all over the studio. Let's <laughs> I think that's Chocolate fine. brownie explosion. Yeah. Um, but it's lovely texture as well, isn't it? I mean, everything about it is I'm going to have another winning. one. I'm going to... Yeah, uh, so how many calories, Claire, in each slice of this, would you say? About 130. 130, OK, which is and, fine. That's yeah. fine, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the occasional fine. treat. It's oh. fine and it's got a healthy profile. If so. I want milk with a cereal, Michael, yeah. what, what can I, what's, what's the best milk I can have? It entirely depends on your taste, but actually these days I go for full-fat milk. Really? Uh, because I think uh, the fat actually keeps you fuller. And there's some decent evidence that actually people who consume full-fat dairy uh, lose more weight and it's better for their diabetes than um, semi-skimmed or skimmed. And I was also going to say, it's what cereal ha- you're having that really matters more than the milk. Let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Let's, let's stick with the milk. <laughs> but the other thing about full-fat milk is it's 4% fat, isn't it? And um, semi-skimmed is 2%. So it's not that much. It's not 100% fat, no, is it? This exactly. is sort of a, bit of a big myth, isn't it? Yeah, people think full-fat means it's almost solid. It's yeah, hardly it's, any it's anyway. not at all. And yeah. the skimmed is highly processed. That's part of the yeah. problem. Thank, Thank you. you both for being here. Cheers, Michael. Come again anytime you like. You know that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. With Sky on Virgin Radio. She's fought off her zombie stepdaughter alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger, been bossed around by Cruella Deville, and been utterly terrified in space with Lawrence Fishburne. Now she's using her paranormal act ability, excuse me, in the new extraordinary drama series, The Rook. Please welcome the ravishing Jolie Richardson. Good morning, Jolie. How are you today? I am well. It's lovely to be here. What a great view you have. It's not terrible, is it? It's not terrible. Not terrible. What a skyscape that is, especially in weather like this. Um, uh, Yes. (laughs) Are we over music or are we, or, or can anyone out there hear us? Yeah, they can hear oh, us. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking with your fabulous view, my character, Lady Linda Farrier, on The Rook, which airs today, um, this is how I make my entrance on a boat down this you stretch do. of the River Thames. See, now, I've only seen the trail because I couldn't get the first episode, but I've seen the trail. <laughs> yeah. um, it's very Killing Eve. It's very Bond. It's, well, no, it's got it all going on. Someone said it's like Bourne crossed with X-Files. Right. That's what I was but told But it's all good, though, America. isn't it? It's all good. It's a psychological thriller, and uh, hopefully it's all good. All right, I so, haven't seen it yet. So, you, But you're, you're not the main character, but you're very much involved with the main character, aren't you? I'm, I'm the king, actually. It, it's, it's sort of a chess game, and... And uh, I'm the mentor for Emma Greenwell, who plays Miffany, who's the Rook. Okay. It's, it's wonderful. It's a bit like, um, uh, you know, Homeland, like Karen yeah, and yeah, Saul, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're both women. Right. Okay, so so the main character, she she has her memory stolen. Her pers- she her does. Brain- so the series starts where, where she sees a tape of herself saying, if you're watching this, it's already happened and it's too late. It's very freaky. It's very conspiracy theory. It's very Big Brother watching. So, so you're filming there. You're filming on a lot of the bridges. Uh, were they closed? Was it guerrilla filming? How does it, it was, work? It was guerrilla filming, which is really, really fun. Because that is, you're, it is just like a camera, and 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 you're just out. I was wearing a wig. I be, I, I wear a wig as right. Lady Linda. Um, and it, I don't know. It just feels more exciting and sort of off the fly. 
Do you know about guerrilla filming, you two? No. I was about to ask what that is. So, so you can either close... I felt a bit silly asking. So you can, but... I know, and it also sounds a bit too gritty and real. It to... sounds like it, I made it, it up is... as well, doesn't it? Yeah. And I haven't made it up. <laughs> but a lot of independent films are shot like that. My, the film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, it, it, it's just more... It, there's less time you just grab a camera and you're like, right, go on that street over oh. there and do a walk and then say that bit of dialogue and I we hope we get it. Some more... Off the car, Fadlibby yeah. style. Yeah, Which but also, also you don't close streets, so it's in amongst yes. people. Do you have to get the people well, to sign? Well, here's the that's thing. the bit that I don't <laughs> understand. Do because I'm telling the story. I'm like, you can't have random passers-by suddenly in your television. You can so, actually, you can well, actually. You can. Yeah, and the way you do it, Danny Boyle told us this, clunk, um, clang. He said that, <laughs> he says that if you put a, if you put a sandwich board up, near where you're filming and it says if you go past this point oh, you agree okay. to be in the next Danny Boyle film you have solved a mystery oh that's there. quite well, good well that's how he did so it because he had to he had to he had to film Wembley Stadium full of Ed Sheeran fans for yesterday yeah, his yesterday, new movie yeah. and that's how he did that and I mm. said well, well what if they didn't see he said well you just assume that they did it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit but loose. But then you think that if people legal, did see that sign, that then they'd be waving in the background. Yeah, no, that is true. But I think what you did notice when you're filming on the streets, which I'm sure you've all experienced, is that it's just that thing that nobody's really bothered. Everyone's like really mm. intent on getting their coffee or yeah, going yeah. to the exhibition, and that a camera, they're like, get out of my way. It's, yeah, in uh, London, well, in cities, big cosmopolitan cities. cities. You, you just sort of, sorry, sort of, uh, you mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger then, and more guerrilla filming. Well, no, no, just because a lot of independents are shot that way. And and when I worked with him, it was, uh, he'd never done a little independent. Uh, Not too long ago, three or four years in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, He he was very charming. Was Uh, he? Yeah, yeah. Total pro? Total pro. In fact, I have to say, he, he was very much of the ethic that he believed that Raising everyone, ga- everyone else's game raises yours. Oh. Yeah. So he really made a point mm. of making people feel good about themselves. Yeah. And uh, and because we had no money, um, he he really he made it also inclusive. He was a very good leader. So this is Jolie Richardson in the Rook. How many apps? Eight. Eight apps. Okay. Eight one hours. Oh, eight one hours. It's proper proper big deal here. Yeah. It okay. is. It is. Okay. And are you around at the end? Will there be a second season? Can you tell what? Well, you can't uh, tell us and, either. Oh, um, and you're not dead yet. <laughs> Your character's not dead yet. Yes. Uh, I do survive the season. Yay! It's very funny when you're when you're doing programmes. There's always this sort of slight tension. Mm. Come episode seven or eight of like, is someone going to be killed? Is in? it going to be me? Okay. <laughs> do I need to? But I start. I do just about survive the season. All right. Uh, Jolie uh, Richardson is in the rug. Thank we haven't talked about much. it much because we can't because there are the spoilers everywhere. I don't know what the heck's going on anymore. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.